ಸ್ಮರಾಮಸ್ತೇಕಂಭಜಾಮಸ್ತೇಕಂಜಗತ್ಸಾಕ್ಷಿಪಂಮಸೇಕಂಧಾನಂಭಮೀಶಂಭವ
That's the question. Vedanta asks us, you have to go beyond belief. It's not a religion of, of assenting to certain doctrines to say, okay, I believe this, 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 therefore I'm a Vedantist. No, we are called to experience directly, to know directly. Like Swami Vivekananda was like that. He would not accept something if he did not know it to be true from his own experience. That's the touchstone, touchstone in our tradition. Direct experience. I have known it to be true. I have experienced my, it myself. Sri Ramakrishna also emphasizes this. I love the, this example, which is quite humorous. Uh, he says, um, what is the use of merely listening to words? Do something. And then he gives this funny example uh, using uh, the Indian uh, hemp plant from which they make a drug called Siddhi. Uh, it's probably something like hashish or something like that. And uh, he often uses drugs as an, uh, because the, he would get intoxicated in thought of God. To, to, be, to merge his mind in the divine was to experience such bliss that it would be a kind of intoxication. So it's an appropriate metaphor. So he says, what will you achieve by merely repeating the word siddhi? Will that intoxicate you? You will not be intoxicated even if you make a paste of siddhi and rub it all over your body. You must eat some of it. Therefore, I say, practice a little spiritual discipline. He would say that a little spiritual discipline is necessary. In other places, he would say spiritual discipline is extremely necessary. <laughs> you do something, but he wants us to do something, to get up off of our you-know-what and, and do. So I, f- I feel like uh, today's topic is a reminder for me, at least, that uh, if I can do a little more, uh, practice a little harder, it's, it's not enough just to believe these things and to memorize some nice verses. We have to do something. We have to realize. So what is spiritual practice? What is this spiritual discipline Sri Ramakrishna is talking about? Most of us, we know, but it's a good to remind ourselves. I think it's, uh, how I would put it, conscious, determined, sustained, systematic, self-willed effort to retrain our minds, purify our hearts. For what purpose? In order to experience the divine directly and attain true peace, joy, and freedom. So this is the definition I came up with. So first of all, it's conscious. We're doing it with awareness. We're making a free choice to do a certain kind of practice. And we, are deter- we, ha- we add our determination to it not something that we're doing in a lackadaisical fashion. We're giving our full mind to it. It's sustained, means it's not for one day, it's not for two days, it's not for three days, it's for, not for 30 days, it's not for 300 days. It's every day, on and on and on, going forward. And uh, it's systematic. We have a system. It's not that oh, today I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'm going to do that. We, we take up a practice and we follow it to the end. Um, and uh, the term that Sri Ramakrishna often uses, a uh, little Sanskrit, sadhana. Sadhana or tapasya. These are the two terms he uses. Now, the, the word sadhana, it comes from the root word sad. It's sometimes interesting to study the meanings of the Sanskrit words. The word sad means to accomplish or to conquer. 
So sadhana, that which, uh, it, it's that practice of conquering our own minds, of accomplishing or attaining divine realization. And tapasya uh, comes from the root of tap, which means to blaze or to heat. So it's a kind of, it, it produces power, it produces heat. Tapasya, this intense practice of restraining our minds and focusing our minds and um, doing intense kind of disciplines, we call it tapasya, which is often wrongly translated as austerity, which is a terrible translation because austerity sounds something like something horrible, whereas tapasya we undertake freely with joy. Now, many of us, I think probably most of us, if not all of us, have had some experience of transcendence, some higher experience. That's what brings us here. We've, ha- we've tasted something of the divine. We have had an experience. We have. So uh, may perhaps a inf- feeling of infinitude, an opening of the heart, uh, a profound experience of being connected to a greater whole, an experience we can only characterize as spiritual. How do these experiences come? In different ways, perhaps inspired by the beauty of a, of a mountaintop or a forest or a piece of music or a work of art, uh, a religious service perhaps, or, or brought about by physical exertion like a long run or even brought about from trauma or, or deep sadness. The psychologists call this a peak experience. And having had that, we may ask, well, I've experienced that. What do I need? What's all this discipline about? What's all this regular practice? I've had the the experience. Well, those experiences, as we know, they're they're very short. They're fleeting. they, They lift us up, and then we come back down. Maybe not quite where we were, but we're we're pretty much as we were before. And they're not easily replicable. That song which took us to the seventh heaven, I, I knew a, a woman, who, a lovely woman, that's a very sincere seeker, and one day she was listening to this song in the upper room with Jesus. In the upper room was the name of the, it was a gospel hymn. And she said that suddenly she was in the upper room with Jesus. And it was a profound experience for her. So what did she do for the next 24 hours? She kept listening to that song <laughs> over and over again, listening to that song. And I'm sure it helped remind her of that experience. But, um, you know, that, that's, that same piece of music won't give us the same experience every time. <laughs> that, that hike up to the mountaintop won't give us that same experience every time. So that's why spiritual practice is needed, a systemic retraining of our minds, a purifying of our hearts. So, um, of course, in Vedanta, we have these two main approaches to uh, the divine, the path of wisdom and the path of devotion. And uh, our teachers point this out, they're, they're, that these two approaches are different, and the approach of wisdom is very steep. The path is very steep and the requisites, the prerequisites are pretty daunting. Uh, The path of devotion, very sweet. It's a gentler path, but it's open to all. Wherever we are, we start from there and go forward. Uh, 
And I think a great place to start uh, when talking about spiritual practice, really the, a really great place to start is to ask ourselves, what do we really want? What do we really want? Because uh, if we really want God, if we really want the divine, if that's the thing that's most important to us, uh, we are sure to get God. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and ye shall find. So do we really want spiritual life? Do we really want God? Sri Ramakrishna says, people shed a whole jug of tears for spouse and children. They swim in tears for money. But who weeps for God? Who weeps for God? So this is the first step, really, in in spiritual life, is to want a God. All right, (laughs) we don't, uh, we want God, but we also want some other things. We're not maybe at that level of a a seeker that we want God and God alone and nothing else. I, I want God, but I also want to get a promotion at work and I want to get some recognition for my my. Uh, qu- my good qualities and my, and my ac- my accomplishments and and uh, I want to see my grandchildren uh, and all those kind of things. All right, as Sri Ramakrishna said, a bunch of uh, if you have a one with a bun- whole bunch of zeros after it, what do you have? A very big number. But what happens if you take away the one? What do you have? Zero. People say Sri Ramakrishna didn't know mathematics, but he knew this very, very well. <laughs> if you have a, bu- you can have a thousand zeros, but what does it, what does it add up to? Zero. <laughs> but add the one, and suddenly you have a huge number. What's the one? Put God in front. Put God in front of your, li- in the, at the center of your life, and then all the other things uh, go to uh, increase the glory of God, as it were. If we put it in that way. But take God out of the picture, one big zilch. So, um, anyhow, this, uh, this yearning for God, this wanting God, this, according to Sri Ramakrishna, is the essential ingredient in spiritual life. And it powers our practice, it fuels us, it makes us want to go forward, it makes us want to do these practices. We may not have this, this burning longing, but... Let's start from where we are. We have some interest or we wouldn't be giving up a beautiful Sunday morning to sit in a temple and listen to uh, Swami talking, right? We have some interest. So uh, our longing grows as we continue our practice. As we gain a little taste of peace and joy, we want more. It tastes like nectar and we want another, we want another dose like M, who for the first time, he, first time he came to Sri Ramakrishna, he went home thinking, when am I going to go see him again? And then he went again to see him. And then when he left, he said, when am I going to go see him again? The third time he came, Sri Ramakrishna said, a man fed a peacock a pellet of opium. The next day, the peacock came at the same time. He wanted another dose of opium. And everybody laughed. He was, because he noticed that M came again to, to see him. He had gotten a taste of that... Uh, joy of spiritual life. So this disciple, M, who recorded the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, he got some very valuable instructions from Sri Ramakrishna, which he shared with us in his accounts of the conversations. In, during his second visit, 
he asked Sri Ramakrishna, is it possible to see God? And Sri Ramakrishna gives this wonderful reply. He says, yes, certainly, absolutely, yes, it's possible. Then he gives a little hint of what are the means? Living in solitude now and then, repeating God's name and singing his glories, and discerning between the real and the unreal. These are the means to employ to see him. So what a wonderful assurance. And he, he expands a little bit on this, uh, these, these means. He says, always repeat God's name and sing his glories. Seems like a really... Uh, uh, we read it again and again in, in Sri Ramakrishna's teaching. Always repeat God's name and sing his, sing his glories. How do you repeat God's name always? This is actually a tremendous instruction and it forms the heart of the instructions of Sri Ramakrishna and it, can, and it forms the, the, the heart of the spiritual discipline of many seekers in Vedanta, always repeating the name of God. The name, the divine name is tremendously powerful and it can be repeated all the time if we practice it if we go on practicing and repeating. Uh, it has that power of retraining our minds, redirecting our minds. Our minds are constantly running after so many different things. The name gathers those powers and directs it towards the divine. And he, he has this delightful little uh, phrase, Nam Gunagan, which means Nam is the name, and Gunagan is the, the, sing, the sing the glories, as it were. So it's a kind of, a, f- a phrase that means repeat his name, repeat the holy name, his name, her name. Uh, we should say her name because this is the holy week of Divine Mother with Durga Puja coming up. And uh, sing her glories. Sing, as we had this morning, the beautiful hymn. Sing hymns to God, sing hymns to our mother. Fill the mind with God, however, we can fill our minds with God. And Keep holy company. And now and then visit God's devotees and holy people. And then practice meditation. Go, to, go into solitude now and then and meditate. Uh, and practice this discernment. All right. There's, there's a, so much in these, these short teachings. Let, let's just uh, unpack them a little bit. Um, First of all, there's some practices he says do all the time and some that he says do now and then. So now and then he says, go visit some other devotees. Go visit some other seekers of God. Spend time with other people who are interested in spiritual life. Why? We support each other in our spiritual life. We absorb a lot from the company we keep. It's very important. If we keep company with... uh, Baseball fans say, and it's baseball season, and they're always talking about baseball. Oh, God, you ought to come with us to a game. You'll enjoy it. And they explain the game to us, and gradually we start watching, and, and we start getting interested. And before we know it, we're baseball fans ourselves. Uh, so it's the same way with seekers of God. Spend time with seekers. Spend time with devotees. It rubs off. It's a tremendous help. Not only are we benefited, but we also benefit them, those with whom we we keep company. 
and now and then visiting some uh, spiritual teacher, some uh, maybe someone who we feel has uh, really advanced far along the path. Uh, maybe we have a guru or uh, some uh, holy person who, who we, we feel drawn to. Visit them now and then. And now and then, going into solitude, spending some time alone, without the distractions of our lives, without the distractions of family and friends and work, and turn off our phones, and just spend a little time meditating, praying. He, he insists on this, that we should do this from time to time as we are able. Just go alone somewhere. Doesn't mean that uh, we, we reject our families. It just means now and then, go alone. Talk to God. And then this daily practice. All the time, repeat the name. And uh, practice this discernment. You know, when we, this discernment is fundamentally looking at what is eternal and everlasting and what comes to an end. And we see that almost everything that we can, everything that we look at, that we can touch, that we can smell or taste or see or hear, is something that had a beginning and will have an end. But there is something which does not have a beginning and which does not have an end. And that is consciousness, infinite consciousness. And that is our true nature. That is the nature of God. So this discernment, Sri Ramakrishna also asks us, practice that. If you find yourself getting dragged by some upsetting situation, oh, this too shall pass. This is not permanent. (laughs) This is is something temporary. This too shall pass. Uh, One thing that may uh, strike us and which some people may object to is that this is, sounds so boring, repeating the, the same word over the name of God, repeating it over and over. How boring, how repetitive. Why would you want to do that? Um, well, first of all, um, look at anyone who attains greatness in a particular field, like music. Look at a great musician, maybe a great violinist or, or, or guitarist or singer. How much did they practice? How many times does a violinist play that same passage over and over and over until her fingers find the strings by themselves and the divine starts to flow when she plays? But it took years of practice, of practice, of practice, of practice. In fact, that's one famous violinist, I forgot who... who, who, uh, uh, which one it was, a, a reporter and a journalist asked him, uh, do, you, do you practice every day, really? It's really necessary? He said, every day. If I miss a day of practice, he, this is an accomplished, world-famous violinist. If I miss a day of practice, I can tell the difference. If I miss two days of practice, my colleagues who I'm playing with can tell the difference. If I miss three days of practice, the audience can tell the difference. <laughs> okay, so it's with spiritual life, it's also like that, with our practice of meditation and all that. <laughs> if we don't practice for a day, we can tell the difference. 
And if we don't practice for two days, probably the people we live with can also tell the difference. <laughs> okay, so. Moreover, look at, look at our minds. What are our minds actually doing? We, uh, the mind is constantly seeking stimulation. It constantly wants something new. Uh, actually, it's the same thing going on in the, in the mind. Give me something new. Give me something new. I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. I like this. I don't like that. Like a broken record. Most of us here are old enough to know what a broken record is. <laughs> right? Just go, same thing repeats. I want this. I want this. I don't want that. I want pleasure. I don't want pain. Constant seeking of stimulation leads to a kind of nauseating repetitive action. Going to movies, going to the restaurants, all those things, going, 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 going. It may be like, okay, it's a different movie, it's a different restaurant, but actually it's the same thing. It's the same thing, seeking stimulation. So repeating the name is not different, actually. It's not different from that. Uh, But the the difference is that when we're constantly seeking that titillation, that uh, stimulation from external things, it's always followed by a kind of letdown. Because, well, it was good. That meal was good, but it's over now. And now I have indigestion. Or, or now, or, 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 you know, now it hasn't given me that lasting fulfillment because nothing <laughs> limited can give us that lasting fulfillment. So, uh, Sri Ramakrishna suggests, let's take something and do it consciously. Repeat it, repeat it constantly. Repeat the name constantly and we'll find, amazingly, it starts giving us more and more joy. As our minds get calmer, as our uh, thoughts settle down, as the focus of the mind starts to, foc- to, to become one-pointed, we start to taste a joy which cannot be had through, sense, through the senses. It cannot be had through music or through restaurants or through anything. It's a, it's a more subtle and more deeply satisfying joy. And Sri Ramakrishna also points out that spiritual life is not monotonous. He says, why should I lead a monotonous life? I enjoy my fish in a variety of dishes, curried fish, fried fish, pickled fish, and so forth. Sometimes I worship God with rituals, Sometimes I repeat his name. Sometimes I meditate on him. Sometimes I sing his name in glories. Sometimes I dance in his name. So this is kind of a a way that there are different aspects to spiritual discipline, as he's uh, hinting here. There are are rituals we can do. There's repeating the name. There's singing hymns. There's meditation. There's even dancing. So... Uh, it's not monotonous. It doesn't, we, we, it doesn't have to be monotonous. His general guidance in spiritual practice is, is very simple and uh, it has a few, let me just mention a few of these points that he brings, that he comes back to again and again. First is prayer. But mostly he doesn't use the word prayer. He use, and this is significant, he uses the word Call, call on God, call on God. See, prayer gives, gives me the idea at least that, 
oh God, I need, give me this, give me that. You know, before your bed, may I, if I should die before I wake, please be sure my soul to take, yada, yada, yada. That's like prayer, okay? But to call on God, it suggests a very active longing. I want God, I'm calling. You know, if, the kid, a child, I remember we, <laughs> once as, as young children, uh, we were on a school a school uh, outing, uh, probably of maybe seven, eight years old, and somehow I got separated from the group with one little girl, with the two little boy and little girl. We were separated from the group, but suddenly we realized we were alone. And that girl, she started screaming, like, ah, that's calling, calling, you know, <laughs> where are you? Help, <laughs> you know, that's a calling. So we ca- call on God. Yes, it's different. For, it's not quite the same as prayer. It's this idea we call with longing, with tears. If we can weep for God, how blessed that is. How many people can weep for God? It's not so easy. So we call. We pray. What do we pray for? For devotion. Pray for love. Pray for purity. To pray for taking refuge in God. To pray that we may just take shelter at God's feet. Swami Swahananji, whom many, perhaps some of you remember, was the previous head of our center, uh, he uh, used to say, at least once a day, pray for only spiritual things. Ask for only spiritual qualities. Uh, otherwise, you can pray for... Uh, if, you, if you're facing some difficulty in life, sure, pray about that. But at least once a day, pray just for the spiritual things. And he used to say, for those of us who are really deep into our Vedanta tradition, uh, and we have uh, Sri Ramakrishna, he would say to Sri Ramakrishna, don't ask him for anything else, just ask him for spiritual things. If you need anything else, pray to mother. Because mother is the one who who's, who's, you can approach for anything. So that was his, that was his teaching. <laughs> uh, then, so, so th- this is the one, call on God. And then, repeat the, repeat the holy name. Go on repeating, go on repeating. It's like, you know, we have ruts in our mind, like because we, the same thought goes over and over and over. So we're making a new rut, a good rut, a holy rut, which sends the, the mind right to God. Or it's like polishing the mirror of the heart. We polish, polish the mirror. Uh, we can't see the reflection clearly, so we polish it. Dropping the name down on the heart is like polishing that heart. Uh, Bhajan, singing, singing the name of God. Swami Vivekananda said, music is the highest art, and for those who understand, the highest worship. So, and this discernment and meditation. He used to say, if he had a funny little way of putting about meditation, he would say, you practice meditation in the mind, in a corner, in the forest. Mone, kone, mone. There's three words they rhyme. Mone in the mind. Kone in, the, in a corner. And mone in the forest. Why, why is that? Don't make a show of it. It's, a, it's something internal. Find a corner where you're not going to be disturbed. Or if you can, go to the forest where you won't be disturbed. Practice meditation. Meditation is not so easy. The, the mind is so restless. Oh. In my, in my own experience, certainly, I find that it's better for me to start with some prayer. Or I, I often do, we have our uh, uh, worship ritual here in the, in the temple, and there are certain prayers that we say, certain mantras we recite for that. So I often do a number of those to get my mind in the mood, 
to bring my mind to the mood of meditating because it doesn't want to meditate. It wants to run after all these things. But, so I, I have memorized a number of different prayers and, and uh, kind of recitations and mentally I do those things. That brings my mind to, to a state where I can feel like I can start to meditate. Uh, so that's... Um, we ripen... Repeat, say, repeating the name is another good way. We repeat the name and gradually let that ripen into meditation. And we already talked about holy company. Sri Ramakrishna emphasized that and going into solitude. And also a couple of other things that he, he strongly emphasizes. One is a strict adherence to truth. If we want to find that which is truth, then we, our lives... Uh, our, act- our words and our actions should uh, come into alignment. Uh, this is, he, he comes back again and again to this, and he was so deeply established in this that he, if, if he said he, was, he had to go, he, he sometimes used rather rustic uh, examples, he, if he had to go to the restroom, and then afterwards he felt like, oh, the urge has passed, I don't need to go, still he would have to go, because he would have said that he's going to go. So he would, he would go there at least. So that kind of dedication to truth Sri Ramakrishna had. And weaning, the, the weaning our minds from attachment to what Sri Ramakrishna used to call lust and gold, lust and gold. Uh, the deep-rooted tendencies in our minds of lust, of greed, of anger, of pride, of envy, jealousy, we gradually wean our mind away from these things through all these, these disciplines that we've been talking about. Sister Nivedita made a wonderful, uh, who was the, the Irish disciple of Swami Vivekananda, in her book, The Master, As I Saw Him, she paints a stunning and inspiring and deeply insightful and beautiful portrait of Swami Vivekananda, her spiritual master, and uh, who, as I think most of you know, was uh, Sri one of Sri Ramakrishna's foremost disciples. She mentions that Vivekananda, now a fully illumined soul, perhaps more than a, more than a fully illumined soul, not merely a saint, but a saint maker, she observed about him. Going on a pilgrimage, one would catch him telling his beads, means repeating his mantra using a, a, a string of beads to keep the count. Seated with one's back to him in a carriage, one would hear him repeating an invocation over and over. So even Vivekananda, if she would have, she's obviously speaking of herself, that uh, they must have been sitting in a carriage back to back with the seats facing this way and seats facing that way, and then catching under his breath, he's repeating again and again and again and again. So he's re- repeating something. One knew the meaning of his early morning chant, when, before sending a worker out to the battle, he said, Ramakrishna Paramahamsa used to begin every day by walking about in his room for a couple of hours, saying, Satchitananda, Satchitananda, or Shivoham, or some other holy word. So we learn from this that not only Vivekananda, but even Sri Ramakrishna, he would spend hours repeating one word and just filling his mind with that. It sounds horribly boring, but actually it's, it's an experience of bliss, of joy. Like listening to that song over and over again, <laughs> repeating the name, repeating the name over and over again. So this, um, this week, uh, as you know, 
uh, Durga Puja is coming up on Saturday, Worship of the Divine Mother, and we do it here in a, quite a ritualistic way with lots of flowers and food offerings and lots of mantras. Swami Sarvadevananda will be here. Uh, many of the monks and nuns from other centers also will gather here for this, and uh, devotees from all over. And as part of this week, it's actually considered nine holy nights, so ten days, uh, where uh, Swami Swaha, I think, did Swami Swahananda start that? Swami Swahananda started this tradition of making an extra vow, of doing, repeating the name of Mother Durga. And he taught us this simple phrase, Jai Shri Durga. And it means glory to the blessed Durga. Glory to Mother Durga. And he suggested that we, if we add this to our regular practice for these 10 days, increase our practice. Not that we, have, we should substitute, we should add. And he, he even asked people, take a vow. Vow to do that 100 times a day for these 10 days, or 1,000 times a day. There are people who do this 5,000 times. There are even a few people who, do a ten, who vow to repeat this, this formula 10,000 times a day for 10 days. Don't think that this is meaningless. It has tremendous power. If we, if we take this vow, of course, it started yesterday, but we can start today if you didn't know about it. I, I want to suggest, let's, let me, we can, you can do it in different ways, slowly, quickly. There, there are three ways to repeat the name. Out loud. Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga. There also we can do it kind of whispering. And the third way is completely silently, so not even the tongue moves. Sometimes I like to sing it. Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga. Why not join me? We'll, see, we'll do it 12 times, okay? Then at least today we've done Mother's Name 12 times. Jai Shri Durga, 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 Jai Shri Durga. Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga, Jai Shri Durga. Thank you. We use the um, uh, mala. Uh, most of you perhaps are familiar with it. It's a string of beads, kind of like a rosary, except it has 108 beads on it. Don't ask me why. There are various theories. Uh, but it is... Um, uh, two squared times three cubed is 108. I don't know if that has a mathematical significance. But 
It's 108 beats. And uh, if we're, when we keep in count, we typically say 100. If you do one mala, one, uh, one course around the, the beads, uh, that counts as one mala, 100. And the eight are, you dedicate the eight for the welfare of the world, uh, or for those times that we were distracted, you know, because <laughs> uh, this, uh, this japa, repeating a holy mantra, it's very, once we get used to it, it's very easy to get distracted. We do it, but we're also thinking about other stuff. So we're actually only half doing it. So this is something to, why I talked about self-conscious, determined, and sustained, and all of that. We have to make, be determined to focus on what we're doing. If we're, when we're going to be chanting our mantra, chant it. Don't, let, don't think about other things. Set those aside for later. Hmm. It's a very powerful practice. Holy Mother used to say, Japatsiddhi, Japatsiddhi, from Japa, from repeating the name. Japa means repeating, this, repeating the name. What we're talking about comes perfection. We attain illumination through, through Japa itself. Chant the na- we recite this every morning. Chant the name of the Lord and his glory unceasingly, that the mirror of the heart may be wiped clean. And quench that mighty forest fire, worldly lust, raging furiously within. And then this line, which I love, O name, stream down in moonlight on the lotus heart, opening its cup to knowledge of thyself. There's a certain lotus which blooms at night when the moon comes out, and that lotus blooms, and the holy name is likened to moonlight, which is shining on that kind of lotus, which then opens in the moonlight and receives the nectar, uh, O self, drown deep in the waves of his bliss, chanting his name continually, tasting his nectar at every step, bathing in his name, that bath for weary souls. So this is uh, um, a little bit about chanting the name as a, as a fundamental part of what spiritual discipline can be and how the more we do it, the more we find that even without realizing it, we've, we've, we've been chanting the divine name. And it can start to, even if we do it right before bed, sometimes we can find out, we find that when we wake up, we're chanting. Does that mean we chant it all night? Maybe it does. Maybe it does. So we start from where we, where we are. When I first got interested in spiritual life, uh, I made a little shrine, a little altar in my room. I went to the hardware store, I got some wood, and I um, made a design, and I sawed the wood, and I nailed it together, and I stained it, I sanded it, and I stained it, I made a nice little altar, and I put some holy pictures on it. I don't remember exactly what pictures, but I think I had a little Buddha statue, and there was a picture of Jesus, and there was a picture of Ramakrishna, and uh, I think a picture of Divine Mother, and... Uh, I think I put a holy book. I think I put a Quran on there and a, a Bible, a little, little one of those little mini Bibles or something. I put a bunch of stuff on there. And uh, so we had this uh, jade plant right outside the building where I was living, and it would produce all these wonderful flowers. Uh, so I would pluck some of those flowers and put them before the holy pictures. I would bow down. It was just like a little ritual that I did. I, I noticed that, you know, in the temple in Hollywood, people were doing that, the flowers in front of the pictures. So I thought, okay, I'll try it. I, I did that. I was doing that for a little while. Uh, one day, 
After doing that, when I bowed down, suddenly I felt something. I felt like, wow, I'm in the presence of holy. I'm in a holy place. This is holy. I felt, not that I saw God exactly, but I felt something more than usual. I felt that I was transported for a moment into a trans, some area of transcendence where, where I was in the presence of the holy. And this is uh, what I'm talking about, spiritual practice. It was a very simple practice that I took up, just putting some flowers in front of uh, some holy pictures and bowing down. That was more or less what I was doing. And there was a response. Sri Ramakrishna says, if we take one step towards God, God takes ten steps towards us, or a hundred steps towards us. Yes, there's a divine response. So, one thing that I should uh, uh, just address is um, this idea of grace. And perhaps that, uh, what I just related was an experience of grace. Um, Because I've been talking about spiritual practice as if this is the means to realize God. This is the means to see God. And on the one hand, it is. And on the other hand, all the saints and sages and teachers say you cannot attain God by your own efforts. It comes by grace. However, the wind of grace, the wind of divine grace is always blowing. But how do you catch it? You have to set your sail. If you want to sail your boat on the ocean of life, catching the wind of grace, you have to set a sail. That's what spiritual practice is. It's setting the sail to catch that wind of grace. Spiritual practice is purifying our minds, so, uh, purifying our hearts so that we, we make a receptacle that's fit to receive that grace. Uh, spiritual practice is tiring our wings so that we finally surrender everything and let go and then Grace catches us as we let go. I I should also give one brief caution. Spiritual practice is to be increased. If we really want to be serious about spiritual life, we need to increase it. We need to get more serious about our spiritual life. Sri Ramakrishna would scold his devotees. He he saw they were lukewarm in spiritual life. Yeah, they did a little japa, they did a little prayer, they went to the temples now and then, but they didn't have that burning fire. Yes, we need that burning fire. But we need to recognize where we are and not uh, overdo it. I remember Gurudas in Tribuco. He was... uh, he was a character and a real tough old being. And he decided one day he's going to do japa all day from sunrise to sunset. If you've been to Trabuco, you know there's a bench overlooking the uh, valley with the Om sign. There's the Om shrine. And so he sat on that bench all day from sunrise to sunset repeating his mantra. After that, he couldn't, he couldn't do his japa for a whole week. <laughs> he overdid it. His brain was over, overstrained and he couldn't even bear to do it at, for, for five minutes, for a whole week. He couldn't do it. So uh, uh, don't, we, we should start from where we are and increase gradually. If we, if, we do ten, if we do 10 minutes today, we do 12 minutes tomorrow. And 
Maybe next week we increase to 15 minutes. Go slowly, go slowly. So I just wanted to, today's talk really is about reminding ourselves what is spiritual practice, that uh, it's something that we undertake willingly with a purpose. The purpose is to purify our hearts, to purify our minds, to uh, strive to tear asunder the veil that hides the divine from us, to prepare ourselves to realize, to know directly that the divine is behind everything, including ourselves, that our true nature is divine. And we always use the term realization. Why? Because it's not something we attain. We don't attain God, though sometimes we use that, that kind of language. God is ours. We are one with the divine. We just have to realize it. We just have to uncover it. So it's a question of uncovering the, the, the veils over our own soul. And I pray that we may taste the grace of Divine Mother this week and know without a doubt that we are her children. Thank you. Thank you, Jayanti. Beautiful. So as, we, as we've already discussed many times, Durga Puja coming up on Saturday at 11. And uh, it usually goes for how long? About two hours or yes. something like two hours. And after that, there'll be, of course, uh, Prasad. Worship, a flower offering, and prasad. After the worship is over, of course, there'll be a flower offering. And this is a chance for everybody to come and enter the uh, sanctum and offer flowers at Divine Mother's feet. It's a beautiful ritual, and the atmosphere is so elevating. And then everyone coming with, the, with the holding the flowers, and you can see in the faces of every, everybody this, this longing uh, and this feeling of, of just approaching the Divine Mother, we're in the presence of the Mother and we offer the flowers. And then we go and enjoy the mm, offered uh, food and enjoy the holy company down by the, in the convent under the tents, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. If you've never come, really, don't, don't miss it. It's a wonderful experience. Uh, and on Sunday, Swami Sarvadevananda will be here still and he'll be speaking on Worship God as Mother. So, it's uh, <laughs> perfect. That's why I didn't talk about... The, you Ordinarily, the Sunday, bef- the Sunday before Durga Puja, I would have given a talk all about Divine Mother. I, weaved her, I tried to weave her in, but last week, Rajapranji spoke on Divine Mother, and next week, Swami Sarvadevananda is speaking on Divine Mother. So, uh, Sunday what? Oh, Sandhi Puja. Oh, right, okay. Uh, in the nine days... Of, uh, in the nine nights, ten days of Durga Puja, the junction between the eighth day and the ninth day is considered specially powerful and holy. And there's a junction of something like 48 minutes. And at that time, we specially chant. We gather in, here in Santa Barbara and in Hollywood. We gather in the temple and we chant together. As we did uh, just now, Jai Shri Durga. We, 
they should do no not none of the sing they won't be the singing it'll just be chanting but um uh it'll be from 7:34 to 8:22 p.m. on sunday that'll be the group chanting of jai shri durga uh, sunday night 7:34 be here or be square and um if you can be here be here chant mother's name together it's beautiful Okay, anything else? Uh, Swami Akhandananda uh, teachings, uh, uh, life and teachings of Swami Akhandananda? Just Swami Akhandananda at 5 o'clock Wednesday. 5 o'clock Wednesday. Swami Akhandananda. All right. Well, I really appreciate your coming and giving me a chance to uh, talk about spiritual practice and uh, listening and laughing at my jokes, some of you at least, <laughs> and laughing when I wasn't joking. <laughs> I'll close with a chant. Om Nanyad Vadami Nashranomi Nachintayami Nanyad Smarami Nabhajami Nachashayami Bhaktyatvadiya Charanam Bujamantarena Shri Shri Nivasa Purushottam Dehidasyam Tameva Mata Chapita Tameva Tameva Bandhuscha Sakha Tameva Tameva Vidyadravedam Tameva Tameva Sarvam Mama Deva Deva Tameva Sarvam Mama Deva Deva Om Shanti 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 O Lord, Thou Supreme Being, in my devotion I shall not speak of, nor hear of, nor think of, nor recall, nor adore, nor resort to anything other than Thy lotus feet. O Thou, the seat of all virtue and majesty, grant me the privilege of serving You. Thou art my mother, my father, thou. Thou art my friend, my companion, thou. Thou art my knowledge, my wealth, thou. Thou art my all in all, my supreme shining one. Om, peace, peace, peace.